Okay, so we're starting the show now. This is us starting the show. We're bantering. Yeah. We got, we got the bants. Um, we're which, doing it. Which is to say, like, um, how are y'all doing? We're doing good. Good. Real Roy- good. Royal we. I don't know why I <laughs> answered we. Are we. we are good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the general vibe in the room is, is good, uh, given the circumstances. Yeah. You know? Vibe mm-hmm. check. Passed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we, f- yeah. No, go. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> Please. <laughs> Uh, regrettably, uh, today we we are absent Brittany, uh, who was unable to attend this special uh, edition of Ironweeds. Um, but in her place, we have hashtag blessed with a guest. We have uh, Jess Bennett uh, here, um, um, F- founder and it, director. Do you, do you use the word director? Um, co-organizer. Co-organizer. Yeah. Although I think my official term is director of press and comms. Yeah. but it's a it's a communal go fa- co-founder and 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 leader person. <laughs> uh, in the fr- Friends of Mohican Tuck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll respond to not Brittany. So okay. That'll work. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's really going to help uh, for me. That all women are are Brittany and not Brittany. Oh, so that, that's, not Brittany over there. Yeah. Yeah. So so this Hashtag helps a lot. Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we're talking with Jess today, um, and on the special edition of Iron Meads, um, because, uh, of a topic we've brought up a number of times on the show, but we're hoping to sort of make this episode all about this topic, which is to say the, uh, save 10, 11, um, what is it? Second Ave, mm-hmm. um, in North Lansingburg. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it, maybe we should like start from the top of this. Yeah. Like, let's start from the really really top and and just could you just like describe this piece of land so this like is five th- take us back five thousand years <laughs> i i mean we can actually yeah. do that um so no i will do you one better okay um so five thousand and one four hundred and fifty <laughs> million years ago oh, shit. Oh, right. yeah All right. old, old school right. um their nature made a deposit of kanajahari shale and so, and that runs through probably a lot of Troy. And um, it's very, it's got unique geological properties. And it sits on the Hudson River. I have no idea if there was a river that long ago. Probably not. And um, going back to, let's say, five to 10,000 years ago, we know that different indigenous peoples of the area were using it um, as a quarry. And so your quarry is where your quarry is, but what makes this site so special is that it would sat on the river, and it's really at the confluence of the Hudson and the Mohawk, which um, has a lot of significance for the Mohawk, for the Stockbridge Muncie, uh, the Lenape, um, Scattercoke First Nations, the Mohican, and we have um, archaeology reports that have artifacts dated back to five thousand uh, five thousand years ago to three thousand BC. Wow. Uh, just from this site. And because of the unique um, geological properties of it, we're also able to trace how far west these artifacts or, you know, tools, um, you know, uh, uh, art, uh, arrowheads, um, etc. Uh, as far west as um, western Ohio, um, we're thinking probably, you know, as west of the Mississippi as well. Wow. Um, and so- this, so th- this little part of land has just like some killer shale. Killer shale. And it's in a great place for trade. Yeah. So you have like super nice shale related items going sure. as far as like M- Mississippi. 
maybe the, Mississippi the River. River. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. Ohio. Yeah, wow. um, yeah, and I'd love to be able to like dig deep and do more research, but it was all during COVID when archives and museums were closed that we were finding this stuff out. So it, that'll be really interesting. And apparently before the federal dam was built, you could walk across the Hudson during summer up, huh. up that far north. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's um, a very different river up there, yeah. e- even even now. But, yeah, um, Troy famously is uh, where uh, Henry Hudson had to turn around. Uh, because the uh, boat uh, that he was traveling in, like, literally, like, came aground. Really? Yeah, fucking welcome to Troy, bitch. <laughs> yeah, we all come aground here. Your, your, your boat's too big. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the uh, old school Ever Given. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, like, the, the hydrology of this region has, like, defined all of its history, pretty much, right? Because, I mean, like, Troy is here, yeah, because, like... You had to take all your crap off a big boat and put it on a smaller boat. They built the Erie Canal. Like, all all this banking is there. And it seems like this has been, like, the story of this place for a really long time. Is like, it's an important trade route. And you take stuff off the river and back onto the river uh, over here. And that, that, inclu- that means that, like, you get, like, little civilizations popping up because it's people stay longer mm. you know yeah and so in a modern context this um parcel of land that you know um this whole uh episode's going to be centering around um is unique also in the fact that it is it correct me if i'm wrong the only piece of undeveloped riverfront forest in the entire city limits that is correct this is it we it's seawall it's bulkhead uh it's super fun site um, but this is the only forest and, um, you know, climate change is here and this is, this is a buffer, you know, we need these, um, uh, undeveloped banks as a sponge. And, I mean, and I can tell you just this last, um, Christmas, remember it was a 70 degree degree day, um, on Christmas and we had a huge snowstorm earlier in the month and I walked over there and the water was about seven feet just starting to crest over the banks and, um, everywhere else was flooded, but it was, it was so, so amazing to see like how much it had risen just, you know, and we're having more and more of those, you know, winter, summer days. Yeah. So. Once in a thousand year events happening basically every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and didn't, weren't you just like sharing a picture of like after all the water uh, um, that we had like the last couple of weeks ago, uh, also known as rain. Yeah. Uh, if anyone knew that. Wettest right. July on record as far as yeah. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 Jess, I thought you shared a picture or something that just like showed like all these different water levels around there and just like how crucial it is to, yeah, keep flooding yeah. down around here yeah it's it's really um you know there are a few trees you know that that stick out and so you can just keep taking pictures of them so you really get an idea of how the water level changes um and i've it hasn't even been two full years yet that i've been walking over there and and seeing everything but um there's the variation is just incredible and of course there's going to be some natural variation they control the levels of the rivers uh via the sakandaga reservoir but this is like far and away um just uh, unprecedented you know all around us, of course. 
Um, one of the issues is that uh, the developer, uh, and we'll get more to that, is claiming that this is not in a flood zone, and it so <laughs> clearly is. <laughs> you have, I have uh, receipts to prove it, you would say. Yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah, of my own flood insurance. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, how could, it's on the river. There's no seawall. No, yeah. It's a gentle sloping surface right from the river to the entirety of this property. Saying, like, I ha- oh, I have an agreement with the river. It's not going to <laughs> Yeah, I got the votes from the river. Yeah, (laughs) River and I, we went to high school together. Yeah. That's how it goes here in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. no, uh, they they wish that they could go to high school with the river to later, uh, you know, cut a deal with it. (laughs) So, could you explain a little bit of the background of, like, why this is the only undeveloped, like, you know, port of the um, riverfront forest in the city? Like... Is, does it present unique development challenges, potentially? <laughs> it, it, yes and yes. So part of it, I think, is that um, the city line runs through it. An acre and a half of this parcel uh, is in the town of Scaticoke. So that, of course, just makes everything a little bit harder. But the, the land is a huge piece of rock. Like, I don't think you could uh, put a fence post in. I mean, the, you know, naturally over time, organic matter has built up. And so there are trees on it. But um, you, you scrape with your foot and all of a sudden you're touching rocks. So just the sheer amount of um, uh, remediation that would need to be done to get to the point where you could build a put a foundation in, uh, put in pipes. Like, this is a, a really expensive project. Um, which is why um, the developer needs to have such a high density to pay for it. Um, because if you were just going to build three houses, you, you would, you'd be taking a loss. Mm. Um, the, the parcel itself is only assessed for, I think, about 280000 Um, But, it, I mean, I can only imagine, like, we're talking millions here. We've had two geologists walk the land, and both of them have said, like, there's no way you can do this without blasting. Um, hmm. You know, another term or a process that developers will use is scraping, digging and scraping with a bulldozer. But this is like, you just can't do it. Plus, there's a significant amount of um, grade change. You hmm. know, the highest point on the river is also on this site. It's oh. a rock outcropping. Um, if we just charge money to have wedding pictures taken on it, it would pay for the maintenance and upkeep of Lansingburg. It is the most stunning site um, to watch a storm roll in, or it's just, it's beautiful. So That sounds like a great business opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, like, you uh, know, if we don't put apartments on it. <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah, that sounds way better. So let's take it, it a little bit through its, you know, history of uh, tenureship or ownership. Like, um, who is owning it now? And, like, who owned it before and, like, didn't develop it? So, the original um, stewards, owners, um, uh, were the Mexican people. And in the late 1600s, um, the part of the original Stone Arabia patent um, that uh, a few Dutch men um, uh, petitioned the patroon, uh, you know, I don't think it was Killian Van Rensselaer. It was like the one right after. Um, Probably also named Killian Van Rensselaer. Yeah. Killian too. Yes. So so listeners to the show uh, from the early days would be reminded that a patroonship is this idea of like one mega landlord over like a whole bunch of like, you know, peasant farmers. Yeah, it's a feudal feudal relationship. relationship. Yeah, 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 that has like some modern characteristics because like you basically, some illiterate 
peasant like has to like sign a document saying that like i'm gonna live here and work here forever yeah yeah and they're and, like, and like oh okay great i get this land and they're like yeah you get that land and it's like, <laughs> you just can't leave and yeah and, and early, i get half your beats yeah <laughs> indefinitely yeah um and, and so like we had this episode about um the rent, the, wars. The rent wars and how you know through economic change as well as varying um you know relationships i think like a one patroon ship like died and passed it on to a more like aggressive uh capitalist like um you know uh you know inheritor and they like went around trying to like retrieve overdue rents from like these peasants and stuff and we're um, not having it yeah so just you know that's that's what we mean when we say the word patroon yeah yeah probably not a good dude um <laughs> a so, so this is part of the original kind of land um we say patent i'm not 100 percent on what that is we'll say they bought the land they got assigned some land but this was huge um all of troy uh all of lansingburg um and uh what's really interesting is that the new york state museum has in its digital archives um the original i mean it's you can't really read it it's old dutch and it's really tiny and scripty but the original document that they had to um mahican uh indigenous people sign and they have their names but it is just an x and you know lord knows what sort of duress that that you know um was was signed over on i'm sure a lot yes yeah. one yeah yeah um they needed lawyers um <laughs> and uh and so a few years after this so still late 1600s jacob abraham lansing father of lansingburg bought uh this part this huge parcel of land um of which this 1011 second avenue is still a part of and so a few years later in uh the very early 1700s since and troy predates i'm sorry lansingburg predates Troy by about 30 years. So this is really the first um, kind of settlement in the area on this side of the river. Mm. Um, We're and, recording in Lansingburg right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and you can see the original grid that was laid out. Like mm -hmm. this was an intentional grid city um, by, by Lansing. Um, and so that, that parcel of land was part of his family's holdings and it remained there for like hundreds of years. Wow. In fact, one That's of his descendants, Winter Houses, that. is still, um, I think it's River Road in, in Pleasantdale. And it's this really, pr it's, it's kind of nondescript, but you can tell this is a much older home wow. from the area. Um, and then I, I, a man named, um, I believe it was uh, Herman Leversey, ran what was called um, Lansing's Ferry right from that site, right from the land itself uh, across the river. And um, I've spoken with Kathy Sheehan at the Historical Society. She's our wonderful um, mm -hmm. uh, city and county historian. This is not the Kathy Sheehan who's currently mayor of Albany. No, no. no. Um but this is the good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and she's told me that maybe this isn't the case, but we, we need to do a little bit more research. But um, General Knox in his, uh, I'm sorry, Gates. No, Knox um, in his campaign to Cambridge crossed the Hudson. And so just across the water in Waterford, there's a huge plaque that's right mm -hmm. on the, right at the bridge. It says, you know, uh, general Knox crossed here. This is a big deal. So the, the very old books that I have from like the late 1800s that say, this is where they crossed from. It kind of makes sense to me, but either and way, what war was this? Was Revolutionary, Revolutionary war. war. Yeah. And there's, there's um, a, a bunch of details that I've seen repeated in a number of places that this was uh, in, 
the winter, tail end of the winter. And so they lost some cannons in the river. And so they had to kind of change course. So, of course, I'm thinking, are these cannons still down there? Um, oh, man, I hate when I miss, when I lose my can. Yeah, what, <laughs> it's like yeah. losing your AirPod. You're like, where did I put it? It's so small. <laughs> um, so it was Lansing's Ferry for about uh, you know 150 years, and then from then on, this land was the site of it was called Lansing's Grove. So this has always been a community access point to the river, and um, you know, in the the mid 1800s, um, you know, we were in, uh, becoming more industrialized, and we had different waves of immigrant groups settling here, and we didn't have mass transit. Transportation. So we had the rise of the rural cemetery movement, and you kind of found nature or camping or place where you took your vacation in your town. And that's what Lansing's Grove was. And in fact, the whole area kind of north of here, Pleasantdale, they were all camps. And so I have found advertisements at the Historical Society uh, from the 1863 Troy Deaf Mute Society picnic at Lansing's Grove. Um, 1915, the Troy Socialist Women's Association doing a talk (laughs) on suffrage at Lansing's Grove. Wow. So this has never been um, uh, developed. I, I don't think this is an old growth forest, to be honest, but I'm I'm not, a, you know, a forestry person. But this has always been used by the community as a place of recreation, maybe also if you needed to cross the river for a, you know, shekel or something. Um, bootlegging. Yeah, yeah, whatever we use <laughs> coin there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, fa- and for the last 40 or 50 years, I'm really not sure how long, the Golub Corp. So the family that owns Price Chopper has owned it, and they have done nothing with it. And so that's great. We love a we love a, a steward like so, that. So, so for how long have they been stewards of this property? I want to say between forty and fifty years, okay. but wow. but not okay. going back, you know, hundreds of years uh-huh. here. So so Price Chopper for people who are listening, you know, we got a global audience, right? Yeah, yeah. And this, this is a this is a grocery store. Yep, that is in the process of millennializing itself. Right, he's like half it's their stores. Yeah, it's half their stores fresh. are called like Market Thirty Two. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even a funny number. <laughs> I don't know why they picked thirty two. They yeah, could have they, been Market Sixty Nine or Four Twenty. That would be way cooler. They should Market Four Twenty. Yeah, they should. They should do like a legal like dispensary <laughs> system and it, it call call it Market Four Twenty. Yeah, but in Lansing, sell it in grocery stores <laughs> next to the, the pharmacy. They should rename the pharmacies Market Four Twenty. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think Market Thirty Two yeah. was actually their original name when they first opened. Oh, was I, it? I've heard that. Well, you know, I. So I it's retro. There's, Re- yeah. there's a pretty yeah. good I, do that. Uh, chance that one of the family members will listen to this podcast. Yeah. So we shouldn't give them free ideas right. about okay. how to. Uh, I will sue you <laughs> if you if you use the market 420 idea. I will fucking but, sue you. But uh, the so they 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 didn't develop this land seemingly on purpose and maybe owned it for what like benevolent reasons like I don't know. I mean I don't know what why billionaires hoard <laughs> things like land. But, I, I um, imagine they own it until it becomes valuable. valuable. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like land becomes valuable enough that it makes an, sense to blast a bunch of shale rock and build some uh, cookie cutter uh, it, uh, townhomes. That, that never makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, uh, so, but this family also owns other properties in Lansingburg, including a Price Chopper, which is totally derelict now. It's currently being used in the winter for the uh, Winter's Farmer's Market. Uh, and I imagine the city has some type of 
like sweetheart deal with them to be able to make that work like maybe just you know they're renting this space that they decommissioned for what like structural reasons i forget it was a not not a profitable price chopper okay got and, it i mean we both live up here you've probably shopped in it it yeah it kind of sucked like it well, just had bad whatever juju, shui, yeah, juju. Yeah. Um, it wasn't great but um, at the same time like you know you've seen other uh areas that they own in the city they've like you know reinvested in or you know the the capital region in general like there's one over at latham farms that they put like a gazillion dollars into and i mean they, they, like, they, they bulldozed an entire uh catholic church mm-hmm. like like a giant cathedral in waterville to put up a, a new price chopper so like yeah. it's not like they're will- not willing to like you know, built to fit, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, or something. And, and and do the golems own golems own the the uh, um that price chopper parking lot or the that that space they where they do. closed down the the building? Yeah, but, okay, so they they full on it. Yes, but like many billionaires, the, there are many different avenues, and yeah. so that is owned by 126th Street Associates, which is the owner of that is Jerry Golub, uh-huh. not uh. Neil Golub. And I don't know if he's a brother or a cousin. Um, and it's really hard to like find this information out. Like, yeah. this yeah. is all by design. Yeah, by yeah. design. Yeah. It, absolutely, I, I, it, it's a fun. Uh, way to spend a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Is go to your city or county's tax assessor's office and go download like a the the most enormous PDF document you've ever downloaded as your tax rolls of of like your city or your county, and then just like looking to see who owns what. Is, is it searchable? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just like you just like hit Control F, yeah, on the document, oh, and it will take you. Yeah. Then that's when you'll realize that like it actually does take time to search things because it'll be like, Oh no, I'm looking. And, it's, and you're like, is it frozen? I'm like, no, I'm it's a thousand pages. But, um, uh, yeah, you, you will find tons and tons of properties, usually like on your favorite, uh, like, uh, shopping district kind of thing where like every building is like owned by 483 sixth street corporation. And like, and then, and then like you, you keep looking around and like, they all own each other. And then, like, eventually you'll find, like, a Saudi prince or something at the end of it, you know? But, yeah, it's... Um, it's a big shell game. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, and, like, so every, almost every single downtown is like this, where you, you'll just, like, the, the buildings that have been around for a while are just, like, owned by a series of shell corporations. Yeah, and that's if you're lucky enough to live in a city that has digitized their uh, records, because, you know, you might be... <laughs> have to just pour over the microfilm, like... Yeah, yeah. Or uh, the, the dusty tomes. I, I don't know. I wonder if people still... Probably cost more money to put things on microfilm now. Yeah, they no, still that's, put things on no. microfilm. Maybe know. some like uh, bespoke. Yeah, they have uh, to do it every tax year. department in like you know some Brooklyn. really yeah exactly hipstery town. In Williamsburg, you you get you get it on the on, analog. On it, it, it it looks so much better. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's such a warm sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tax rolls are so much warmer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, back to the the property and the in the ownership. Um, so they technically they own it, but it's like a yeah. di- it's a different shell corporation owned by a different cousin or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and that only closed in I think February of 2020. 
So, and, and I can only imagine that the developer um, for 1011 has had these plans in the works for a good time before that. Um, so, you know, when we come to the meetings and we're like, use the price chopper site, it's a third of a mile south. It's on the river. This is an apples to apples situation. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, it's not. Different Golubs own that. Uh, oh, we- and they like don't get along well enough to like do do a Donnie deals. I mean, anything's possible with money, but and, um, and cousins. And co- like, I, I don't talk to, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't talk to a lot of my cousins, you know? So it's, it's to, I, 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 I've, I've totally switched sides now. I totally get it. It's not, it's not the same. Yeah. I, All right. I, it's not an apples to apples comparison. How dare you? Yeah. I feel like potentially some type of like, um, you know, family counseling yeah. might be able to like, you know, save this important archeological <laughs> and environmental site. Um, but let, let's now actually cut to what do they want to do now after sitting for 40 or 50 years on owning this property? Like what is the craziest, kookiest idea that they're cooking up? So it's really not um, the Golub. So developer Kevin Vandenberg, Troy Lansingberg native, born and raised, has stayed and developed in Troy, which to some degree I give credit. You know, like people, developers, they build shell corporations, they build some shitty business, they cut and run so you have no recourse. He stays here and he keeps developing. So he's got community roots. He's he, got community he roots. Ostensibly cares about, you know, like. Well, I'm not the- going to go that far. Um, <laughs> but uh, he approached the, the Golubs. Mm-hmm. It, the property ha- was not for sale. And um, he has said on numerous city council meetings, I'm the one that found this. I found it first. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. So, so uh, yeah, he put his, his he, flag in. And- white guy. Wait, yes. How oh, did you yeah. know? Weird. Yeah. Could have been the last name Vanderberg. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. The, I found it first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I it, it's just so weird to imagine people saying that they found land. I mean, I could kind of imagine when, like, you're like, you didn't know entire continents existed or something. But it's like, it's on Google Maps, bro. Like, you can't, like, forget the colonial shit aside. Yeah. It's not, like, we all knew it was there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What? Um, so yeah, so he approached the Golubs. They're, uh, you know, we kind of, friends of them, he can tech, we kind of came in. When we learned, we just saw on the city council agenda that developer Kevin Vandenberg is taking the temperature of the city. That was how it was phrased about a a little development he might want to put there. And, um, and so that's, that's when, you know, we kind of came on the scene and and got wind of this. And so at that point he already has what's called an option to buy. And so it's, I, I, I'm assuming it's Vandenberg similar. Does. Yes, Vandenberg with the Golubs. So I guess it's like when you are in contract for a private house, you know. Got it, There's got something it. keeping you there. Um, it sounds like, though, with uh, uh, corporate real estate um, or just not private, you there is some legal recourse. Um, so that if Golubs turned around and said, no, we want to preserve this important piece of land— allegedly there could be some sort of legal recourse that Vandenberg has, but you know, price choppers worth what I think $35 billion. Like <laughs> you want to go up against that for an 11 acre parcel in Lansingburg. That's your decision. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like something that could like haunt them for a while, especially since like so much of the goal, Golubs, they, they're based in Schenectady, mm-hmm. right? And and so and like everything in Schenectady has like their fucking name on it. Like they're very uh, 
they, they like to do the philanthropy thing. Sure. And so I'd imagine, like, you know, it, maybe if you're if you're listening to this, something to think about, right? Is like, you know, do you want your name? being attached to like all your Sierra Club friends that like come to the <laughs> the dedication of like some new like performing arts center like are they you know, like they're gonna be kind of pissed off at you about developing this 11 acre site like I, I imagine when you're when you're a billionaire it's like I'll you know drop a couple hundred thou just to like avoid an uncomfortable conversation sure. <laughs> Right. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I who knows what goes through. The yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. They they really stonewalled us. Um, mm. you know. So so after this, uh, you the, know, this they being the the Golubs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I didn't expect a personal response from Neil Golub, but um, it, if you look at the Price Chopper philanthropy, you know, their philanthropic arm, their mission, like preserving, uh, you know, a piece of important um, environmental land that has incredible indigenous history right up their alley. Um, and so when we finally did have an ally speak with Mona Golub, who's the only daughter of, uh, found, I, I don't know if they're the founders, but um, Neil and Jean Golub, who are like kind of top of the chart there. Um, and she runs the philanthropic uh, foundation. You know, apparently her response was like, oh, we had no idea. Please send us some information. So we sent some information. And now it is back to being stonewalled. Mm. Um, so there's well, no motivation. busy lives. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, that property isn't going to own itself, you know? So. Gotta, gotta run some grocery stores. They, yeah, they don't, they don't do that, do they? No, they no. did just acquire tops, though. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Which I, is union. Oh, and and Mark Thirty Two is not. Mm-mm. Yeah, so like that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm keep an eye on that. So this Vanderberg character, um, you know, he's in it for the what? Com- like, like he wants to develop on it, but in his efforts to develop it, uh, he's also going to acquire it as a like a property that he would own for the purposes of a profit, you know, seeking agenda, um, and so. What does he want to use this shale uh, riverside forest for? What else but apartments? Apartments. He, he wants to put a 240-unit uh, high-density apartment complex. So there would be They're f- luxury, right? Uh, uh, got to be luxury. Uh, he says market rate. Oh. Um, and he says he won't market. apply for any pilot programs, but we'll who knows. Yeah. Um and the whole area is zoned single family. So how this kind of came to the city council, and as I understand it, Vandenberg used to be on or head of the zoning board of appeals. So he he's a, a professional developer. He knows these processes and and also knows how to get around them. And he's so been doing he, it all his life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so he went to the city council to apply for a rezone, which is not what the city council does. There are prestige. I mean, David, you, I'm sure know this better than I do. Okay. They, they appoint people to do that. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're not yeah. necessarily subject matter, matter experts on, you know, why things are zoned the way they are. No, and- not, yeah. Yeah. Not, not that not being an expert has kept, you know, elected <laughs> people from making dumb decisions right yeah but but yeah yeah like they're, they're they they appoint a board of people who do know uh, everything from like the law to like the engineering of where the hell to put stuff and this particular region as i understand it i don't know why i just went into cop speak like this particular region <laughs> uh right um is a uh, um 
zoned to single family, even though it is like currently, you know, a forest, right? It, it, it on paper in it, somewhere it's it's zoned to single family. So if you want to put a two hundred unit apartment building there, that is not a single family unit, and so you, you would have to request what's called like a variance. Or, but, but is, but it, you can be called out for doing something called spot zoning. And what is spot zoning? It's this, right? It's the, yeah, it's so the spot, piecemeal right. being like, yeah. oh, but could you give me an exception? Yeah. Like, let me grease a palm, you know, like, let, yeah. let me figure so, out how to get this thing to happen. Right. So, like, the, 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 the problem would be that, like, you know, you know, every city, every once in a while, from time to time, like, does, like, a big master planning event where they, like, make a big, do- you know, they pay a, 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 a planning company, like, scads of money like hundreds of thousands of dollars to like very publicly like do planning in front of people and so everyone's like wow we're planning for the future and like yes we are all planning for the future right now. <laughs> and, and, and you know and there's like big sketches and like you know people put put stickers on on bulletin boards everyone's like wow we're really like working you know like everyone's we're doing the work. Yeah, we're doing the work, and it's like the communities coming together to decide what everything looks like, and then, you know, like, the, and then they just like write the thing that they had at the beginning anyway, and they're just like, <laughs> you know, like okay, yeah, so this is where the single families. Okay, so a single family here. And they're like, wow, yeah, we all made that decision together, and it's like, you know, stuff like that. Sorry, but yeah, uh, and, and, but yeah, the, the, with a with a spot zone, what essentially what they're yeah is they're saying like, okay, you know, fuck all of that planning regardless of whether or not it was in good faith or not it was like well, why why are you, if why have planning at all if you can just like but completely i want revert yeah yeah I but i want it. yeah and we were t- talking about off mic how cuomo recently i i didn't follow this like put some sort of law together where uh, uh spot zoning is even less uh acceptable right like cities can do something against interesting that. yeah Man, he's really trying to get himself out of that hole. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, like, here's the thing: like, like, like for like New York City, for example, they have something called uh, uh, up zoning, where you know you take a a place that's zoned for well, you know, in the city, it's like you know, ten units to the acre, twenty five units to the acre, and then, and then all of a sudden you're like eighty units to the acre. I just want to put like a big fucking thing here, right? And um, and that's uh, uh in like I, I don't remember the numbers of like how many they've done. But it, there's a distinct pattern where uh, up zones only happen in poor neighborhoods, oh. and in rich neighborhoods, it's there's there's very few up zone uh, up zones. In fact, they they might even down like go down a little bit, like wow. a zone to reduce the density, right? And and so um, that's some of the stuff that like you know if you're say a mayor that wants to up it or sorry not a mayor well maybe a mayor but also a, a governor that wants to like you know up their their uh zoning yeah yeah like, you know, like, uh, up their their um the, the uh, prestige yeah they're like prestige with people who are like either nimbies right like not in my backyard yep, don't yep. make anything bigger or people who are legitimately legitimately concerned about gentrification mm-hmm. right you would do something like this and uh, like nerdy assholes like me would like notice right and you're like wow okay cool right and it's like this is solving the problem but of course like the, the problem being that like like the the only reason that the Golubs would even like just think all of a sudden like after fifty years of owning this piece of property like oh yeah let's just like dynamite a bunch of shale and put up an apartment or just let right. this guy do whatever let this he guy wants do it. Yeah, yeah yeah or let yeah let the guy do it right it's like the only reason that ever happens like Vandenberg decides to do it the Golubs think it's even worth 
fucking around finding out is because land has gotten very expensive especially yeah, they're not making more of it yeah they're not making more at, of le- it. <laughs> at least it always in this hemisphere up. yeah but uh, but of course like you know you, 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 we should always be thinking of developers as just like investors that have yeah. a very particular kind of portfolio that's all land yeah. right and so like if uh, vandenberg realizes that like oh you can't actually the you know the going rents are so high right now that like i could actually get a good return on investment from something as resource intensive as like basically blowing up 11 acres and building a <laughs> an apartment complex yes. on it is incredibly expensive so like, and we're only now in this weird position where it makes sense yeah so let's talk about that a little bit because like i raise my eyebrows basically to the point where they're almost falling off my face <laughs> when i imagine this guy's uh building this property to uh charge quote-unquote market rents and the reason that i'm so skeptical is no one's doing that no one's doing that they're all catering to the top five percent of the rental market which at this point may have raised the market rent the median rent or whatever to some level that's astronomical already but like how is it possible that this guy is looking at this with a career of uh, development in his back pocket and seeing the scope and effort required to do this? And then he's like, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to I'm going to be losing money on these apartments. Like, you know, like you don't even know, you, believe me, I'm going to be giving away rent to these people. I'm, I'm going to be, um, you know, helping out the whole community. Everyone's going to be having affordable, quality housing because uh, I, I'm going to go through this herculean effort for you know the goodness of my heart or he comes to the city and he gets a zoning change to p plan development which is what he's applying for and then once the land that you have 11 acres that now has a, a potential of making a lot more money and then he turns around and sells it ah mm, mm. that's a potential um we so by right, let's say Vandenberg doesn't get the zoning change, mm-hmm. and really, even by a planned development, um, I believe it's then he can build I think it's eight or ten units per acre, and you have to keep a certain amount of the acreage uh, for stormwater and infrastructure, so it really comes down to about ten acres. So that's still a hundred apartments. So on top of getting a rezone, he would then have to apply for a variance on top of his new rezone. So this is this is just not how you do it, you know. And and we're really fortunate as a organiz- you know, friends of the Mohegan Talk, that so many um, professionals in this industry have just said, oh, oh, no fucking way. And um, we uh, there's a, a lawyer for Albany Law, uh, Keith Harakawa, who just comes of his own volition. Like we're not even really organized with him, and he just tears apart these arguments and and really tries to like tell the city in really like warm tones like this isn't what you do guys this is not this isn't what you do this is uh, these plans are asinine essentially um and so many other professionals planning uh law land use are all saying the same thing um but you know the city's kind of moving forward with the seeker which is the state environmental quality quality review um to kind of examine these these sort of things. One action of the seeker review is the rezone. And it took um I would say close to a uh, seven months to finally get everyone on the same page because what the developer and his lawyer Adam Schultz 
really kept pushing was like, no, no, we're just looking for a rezone. And you can't do that. There are known plans. I just want to go rezone some property. <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I, you know, I just spend curious. my time like filling out paperwork and I just want to make this place like yeah. ha- have, you know, be higher density or turn into it. I just love playing Sim City. You know? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I don't plan on building anything. I just want to change the. Sure. Zone. Right. Yeah. You and can't if, do that. If well, and if hypothet- hypothetically you wanted to rezone a property with no plans at all, that is an action that could be examined. Mm-hmm. But he has had multiple workshops for both the city council and the planning commission, where we all have a copy of the plans and we're going over the plans. We're talking about density. We're talking about stormwater management. So you can no longer just examine a rezone when there are known plans, <laughs> and that's illegal in New York State. It's called something called segmentation, where you kind of part out well but we're just going to look at this thing over here can't do that we have to look at the full scope of the project and they really fought that uh for probably half a year um and when our legal experts finally kept driving home you you will be sued for this so segmentation is illegal in new york state there's a bazillion you know pages of case law to support this then the city lawyers um, finally said, no, this is this is about the whole scope of the project. So the seeker review starts um, and we're kind of jumping around here. And part of the seeker in the state environmental quality review is that the um, lead agency. So the city council has uh, voted to make themselves lead agency. And what does that mean? So um, Seeker, Seeker is amazing. Seeker is New York State's um, best tool to examine a project, um, and it is meant to keep communities and people from potential harmful benefits. Okay, so, and, and, and hit us with the, the full name of it. Seeker okay. is an acronym. Yes. And what, and what is it? R. R. Yep, okay. so State Environmental Quality Review. And okay. this is the right. one that developers fear in the night. They look at everything. <laughs> this one simple trick that developers <laughs> hate. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. It gets all your stains out. Um, this looks at the archaeology, the environmental, potential, uh, um, you know, uh, endangered species, pollution, um, you know, stormwater into the Hudson. This looks at absolutely everything. And Seeker shuts down project. In fact, right behind Hannaford. So, I would say maybe an eighth of a mile from this site, there's a two acre parcel. It's really the the, the back of Hannaford's parking lot sits um, on, again, a huge rocky outcropping with trees on it on the Hudson. And about 15 years ago, a developer bought it with the intention of putting apartments on it. And in Seeker, um, and I don't know who, who led Seeker for that, it was determined that the um, archaeosensitive material, so the, the um, indigenous archaeology of the area, um, that was too valuable. So they, it's not able to be developed now. So it shut down the project. So wow. this, this so, has real teeth. So this is government in action, you know, uh, which is to say not in action, uh, <laughs> but government action that um, is, is stopping um, developers from being able to profit. Which is a little surprising in yeah. a country such as ours. It, yeah, it, it protects. If you have a, a new Carner blue butterfly that only lives in the pine bush, well, that's the this is how you stop it. out there with like gas, yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. you know, like hiding the butterflies' bodies. Yeah, what, just paint what, a black. What fucking butterfly? What butterfly? <laughs> I've seen the butterfly. Oh, my kingdom for that butterfly right now. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, uh, uh, being designated what what's called a lead agency is what. 
allows you to trigger a seeker process? Is that so? See, think of like the lead agency as kind of like a Sherpa. It does. They don't really. Um, it doesn't change the nature of Seeker, but it can change what decisions are made about it, right? So if you think of Seeker as a flow chart, you say, okay, it's got sits on the river, it sits in this. So it has these characteristics. So it's a what this is is technically a type one action. And where we are right now is there's a decision that needs to be made, and because the lead agency is the decision that makes it. So there is some there are there are some teeth to this position. And who would be it? other than the city council because they voted to make themselves it which is always a little sure no that's okay so let me back up that's a great question so city nominates themselves we would like to be lead agency so what happens then is that it starts a calendar there are 30 days and any other involved agency has to receive notice of their intention to lead uh seekers so the city of Scaticoke is an involved agency because an acre and a half sits in Scaticoke. Mm-hmm. The DEC, uh, mm-hmm. SHPO, the State Historic Preservation mm-hmm. Offices, um, because there we already know there's a lot of historical uh, archaeosensitive material. Um, uh, these are the type of agencies who would receive this, you know, form letter um, that's that was filled out by uh, Planning Commission. Well, let me give you this full title: Commissioner of Planning and Economic Development, Steve Strickman, who, when he sent this out, misrepresented the scope of the seeker and said it's just about a zoning change. Now, if you looked inside, mm-hmm. like underneath the the cover page, essentially, you would see all the things that are going to be plans examined that are behind the zoning change. Sure. But if you were just looking at it, being like, oh, they want to build, they, they want to just do a rezone. This doesn't affect me. But actually it does because state historic preservation offices would like to, to do a lot more examining of a, of a site versus looking at a rezone. So we, of course, complained about that. But um, So the city made the choice, the city council in particular, to vote themselves into this position of decision-making authority on this project. And like... That I remember only vaguely being connected to the the details of this, um, but I had called in or wrote in, I forget which, but I, I watched the city council meeting that was happening. And when they voted for themselves to be the lead agency on this project, it was to literally universal dissent, like hours and hours of public comment talking about how the city shouldn't be able to make this determination and that the project shouldn't go forward. Um, And so like, what's up with that? Solid question, Chris. Um, So yeah, there have been over 20 hours of public comment. um, And the city, uh, I, you know, the good thing to remember here is every single city council member is up for re-election in four months. So they keep doing these very unpopular things. Um, at the last meeting, uh, Councilman uh, Ken Zalewski said that he's never received more mail or, or comment from his constituents on any other issue. Um, th- so people are really turning out for this, um, both at the city level, but at a, at a regional and a state level. Like we know Sierra Club New York City has called in on these meetings. Um, uh, the DEC has sent the city council, basically we're putting you on notice, we're watching Watching this process, uh, but they keep kind of just going forward. Um, our biggest complaint uh, initially at, at the meeting that you're talking about, where the city voted themselves lead agency, was that they really don't have uh, the plans are incomplete. Like, for instance, the developer wants to put a marina, 
and all it says on the project. Wait, what? They they want uh, they were starting with apartments. Now they're doing a marina. Oh yeah, well, very posh, you know. Um, that and, sounds like a major. Oh yeah, infrastructural like in development on a federal waterway. And weren't we also just saying that it's very shallow there? So shallow. And made of shale. Yes. So are we looking at blasting the Hudson? Um, I mean, I don't know how you get rid of shale other than blasting it. Yeah, solid question. But in the project narrative, so to start the process that looks at every potential environmental impact, the only thing they have about the marina is the word marina on the river. No drawings. No drawings. No nothing. Don't worry about it. Is it even just like a square, maybe like a? Well, it, it probably a is. A, it, yeah, there may be a shape. Um, also, for stormwater infrastructure, there's an oval that just says stormwater. Okay, great. So, okay. yeah, you I, put the stormwater in the oval. You're well, fine. And yeah, the thing you put it is, in the river. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Just dump the, it right in there. I mean, that's what's going to happen yeah. because when you overlay the. Um, the uh, kind of uh, uh, topographical map of the site, which has a lot of changes. It, it really, um, there's a, a steep incline at points with where the stormwater basin oval is. It's at the, the one of the highest points, the top of a, a hill that that is made of rock as well. Spectacular. Yeah. Okay. So when we came out, and again, we're talking about probably three hours of public comment saying it's too premature to make this decision. You don't have enough information. They they were setting themselves up, essentially, um, because they're saying, well, seekers about getting more information. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I don't want to do this incredibly unpopular thing, but I'm gonna. And, you know, the, the, the reasoning as to why they felt they needed to be the body for making this decision, it, it, it was never really given. Like, yeah. I was. So, so I, you know, uh, Jess is obviously, you know, she's got a lot of work that she needs to do running this this uh, uh, project, and it's very delicate. So I'm just going to, like, address my fellow co-host, Chris, <laughs> yes, for a yes. second, right? And Chris, you know, Jess is out of this right now. Yeah, it's, it's just, just you and me. It's just you and me. Yeah, it's just yeah. the boys talking. Someone's getting paid, right? Like, this seems, like, a little weird, right? Yeah, yeah, but it seems like there's, like, a private interest with at least a couple of the uh, city councilors like, such like, that they're doing this thing that is obviously visibly incredibly unpopular. Yeah, like, it's just, like, you get, like... A, like hundreds of letters and like calls and stuff yeah, and like yeah. people are like you know bothering you in the post office and yeah, the yeah. grocery store and but you're going to you're going to price chopper for that one huh? yeah 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 and and you're just like hey, and, and but who, you do it anyway like, yeah hey, like wow how much it, you gotta be getting, getting I mean, something yeah i mean especially it's somebody who's it. been you know a developer in a city for decades that you think like, you might have they, some relationships yeah, you know, they might know somebody uh so the city councilor for uh my district is uh-huh. uh jim gully right who um basically is um you know the biggest proponent of this but never explains quite why hmm. 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 well it's good though that there's at least options on right. the ballot, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, because we're going to have um, poet and activist and now city council candidate D. Colin Charleston, uh, who is running. And yeah. um, and uh, D. Colin, I believe, is behind uh, or uh, signaling that she is um, looking to support uh, Save uh, 1011. And so, not so, at least have that. so anyway, Jess, hi. Welcome back. We were just having a private conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I may have some a, a few clues for you. Um, the developer, Kevin Vandenberg, 
and Jim Gully live on the same block, about seven houses from each other. Like, so close, if I'm making burgers, you can come over and just smell it. You can come over because it smells so good and have yeah, some. I, I do that all the time to 41 Sports Club, <laughs> my immediate neighbor. Yeah, well, you, you see how it is then. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the only statement that Jim Gully gives to people is... I think it's a good idea. <laughs> that is his official statement. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I think it's a good idea. And yeah. you know what? When it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Hey, it's a good idea. It's it's plainly obvious that it's a good idea. Right. You know, like anybody would recognize that this is a great idea. You put your stormwater at the highest point. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, All it's right. a good idea. Okay, so, you know, um, our global audience might be a little interested in, like, you know, why we're dedicating an entire um, uh, episode to the minutia of this. And um, I have to uh, say, primarily, because I don't want it to happen, personally. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, secondarily, we have a vested interest. this is, I think, rather indicative of how democracy actually works and how it works in a whole bunch of places other than Troy, New York. You've got, you know, a set of vested interests. Uh, that go back all the way to patroon ships and the immediate, you know, or the original um, uh, divine acquisition where some white guy with a gun stood from one spot to another and was like, that's mine. If anybody says it is, and I'll kill him, you know, and all the way to now. And that this is, um, I think, really emblematic of um, a lot of, uh, you know, our national history and, and what's going on today, as well as what can be done to, you know, stop stupid shit from happening and um yeah yeah so, I, so we, now uh the city has uh, a most deaf post post doc post deaf what? what positive what? declaration oh, positive. Positive. <laughs> positive. <laughs> i mean maybe we can get most deaf to sign up yeah for yeah okay I, yeah i will find out um so what needs to yes, happen now Sorry. is that the city determines the degree of scope of the review so they can do a positive declaration which means we need more information and that's where everything gets looked at um the qualif the 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 criteria for a positive declaration is that there is one potential environmental impact. So there is a lot. This is the last forest. It sits on a federal waterway. There is the presence of um, state and county rare species. The DEC in their letter to the city council mentioned an imperiled mussel that was found on the site, and this is all before we have had. Um, as officially part of the seeker review, wildlife biologists, systems biologists, um, there has been an archaeology report done, but by the developer, and we would like to see it yeah. um, kind of done. And, and just as an aside, in the developer's um, petitions to the city, which this was all during COVID, so it was all over Zoom, he did this extre- they did this extremely unethical thing of posting the a map with um, all of these sites that have uh, sensitive archaeology material. So any uh, fossil hunter or you know a person who who ha- this is a very a lot of interest, and that's what fossil hunting is a not fossil artifact hunting is a really big problem. I've even seen artifact hunters on the site myself, but they they put this map up there. It's all on Zoom. Yeah, you just want to steal a bunch of indigenous artifacts. And yeah, here you go. Here, oh, date back to three thousand BC. Yeah. Right here's the here's the circle around it, and and we heard kind of through back channel that uh, the state museum archaeology department 
Hartman and Shippo were just enraged by this. And and they had actually... Are these private people just looking for an arrowhead? Or are these, like, people for hire? I don't know. I am not uh, part of the art- artifact hunting world. Uh-huh. The people I have seen are just, like, white dudes with, like, an old pickup look. I don't think they're making bank off of this. These right. aren't, like cuneiform tablets they're looking for um but it's just it's like so not done um you know i was actually thinking that they'd be there to hire to make sure that artifacts can't be found because somebody just suddenly came in and took them oh that's an interesting strategy um this feels this whole thing feels very keystone cops i don't know if there's that level of uh coordinated effort um but it just it gives you it it really speaks to the attitudes that the developer and his engineering team have this about this site this is such an important um site to so many indigenous groups um ancient past and current i mean the stockbridge muncie and the scattercoke first nations who all have hereditary ties to this land are actively petitioning the city of troy and the government to not allow this government uh, or po- project to go forward, which is amazing, you yeah. know, um, it, it, and still, uh, you know, we're, we're plugging forward. Um, one of the one of the good aspects, though, is that the Stockbridge Muncie are federally recognized. So should there be a positive declaration, then they have to be consulted. But wait, the city is gearing up for a negative declaration, which just means we have all the information we need. We, we can make a decision right now. And how we know that is that um, Seeker's very regimented. There's a calendar, there's a clock, and uh, we're already over the clock. We're out of out of time for the pause or negative declaration. Um, it's called a determination of significance. And so Commissioner Strickman, who has been designated point person by the city council, um, and again, planning and economic development. So I'm not sure how he can be an unbiased uh, reviewer of this project. That is a a good point. You know, um, he uh, has said, we're going to put this off till September. But in the meantime, we're going to get, we we have some information that we'd like to find out. So they're looking to get essentially the bare minimum um, of information so that then they can satisfy legally, we'll say, a negative declaration, which essentially now we're at the let's greenlight the project. And that would be a power that the city council has essentially, you know, granted themselves uh, against, once again, unanimous public dissent. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so and unfortunately, our there are some options there, right? Um, One is uh, the legal route. And, you know, I I don't want to see this happen if if we have to sue the city. We as a city have already lost because it's our tax dollars that are going to go to fight a lawsuit that we have been begging you to just do the right thing and be in compliance with the procedure. Your own laws. Your Your, own laws. You know, your own systems. Like, I remember this happened the same way with um, a McDonald's that went in on what was like a a small patch of green space um, along one of the the busiest streets in Troy, Husik. And the city went through all these years of effort and development development of this complete streets, you know, program where they would, you know, try to figure out, all right, well, how does it affect bicycle traffic? What about the handicapped? What about like peak rush hours? What about the, the local residents and their, you know, um, interests, et cetera. And then they just systematically broke every single one of the rules that they had set for themselves. And they're like, but it's McDonald's. They're going to pay us. 
and like and, and also if you look at that mcdonald's it is like the most over-engineered mcdonald's on yeah. the planet it's incredible like i, I, I like it is it, oh, a, a sight to behold because it also like they had to like build like a, a fake wall close to the they had to do the, so the, much the, crazy the shit. road so yeah. that it it, it technically the building technically started like close to the sidewalk yeah. for the form based code. It's it's so fucking so, crazy. And I bring that it's up just amazing. to sort of, you know, give a little bit of context and history around, you know, what like it's it's a paradox because the city sets itself up, creates all these rules so that they can like, you know, do this, you know, rah rah, we're we're you know, envisioning the future and we're doing what this constituents want. And then time and time again they just like like, oh yeah, fuck that. Oh, like, what, what <laughs> idiot thought that up? Oh, I was... Uh, I did. I was like president of the ago. city council at the time? Oh, look, look at that. It's like Donald Rumsfeld, you know, like, uh, during the Iraq war, you know, like, uh, being brought up on a talk show with a video of him and Saddam Hussein. He's like, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have the comprehensive plan, which Troy spent a lot of money, community participation, we spent a lot of time... Um, coming up with in 2018 and this this is on it and this is not identified as an area of uh, that needs to be developed the price chopper the closed price chopper site is an area that's identified for revitalization Mm -hmm. Um, and even though we're in a housing glut you know right now with all of the abandoned and you know distressed properties that the city's constantly trying to get off its hands into like you know developers or private uh, owners to be able to to get back on the tax rolls like this is not they're not trying to this developer is not trying to fulfill an urgent community need or request right like we have all this fucking property like there's just some sort of legal financial situation at which point they think they can make a bunch of money yeah. if they break every single planning law and rule that we yeah have. And so so even but, but to your point jess like if they were just trying to fulfill this need if they were just trying to be you know sort of like but we have the community's best interests at heart etc they'd take this like blighted property that they currently own and like build whatever they think would the city would want you know yeah, it's it's just it's so heartbreaking to like see up close how the city works. Like it's just it's terrifying. Yeah. Um and 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 I also think it's really important to point out that this entire neighborhood um that the the land sits in is designated by the DEC a potential environmental justice area, which means among other things that should let's say a factory went in there, the burden of the uh, po- pollution would unduly fall on the residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that designation, there are some other things that need to happen. Like there's something called a CP29 form, which in, in is mandatory public participation. So the development in question uh, will have to be um, uh, in, have community participation for the people it affects. Mm-hmm. And the okay. developer has not filled out any of that. It's time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they keep saying, well, it's later in the process. It's not. It's now. Um, it, and, and with a positive declaration, there also is 
uh, a 90 day scoping period that the again, the residents who are affected by this and really anybody in the city, it's not just for the neighborhood, have say we can say, oh, this traffic study is not good enough. You have to go back. You have to spend more money. Mm-hmm. And you have to do another one. And so you can see why a developer, any developer, does not want this to be the case. It's entirely possible that a seat, like a, a well-done seeker with a public uh, participation could cost up to a million dollars. And so um, they're going to do everything they can to essentially give a negative declaration. Um, this is amazing. There are some checks and balances moving forward. Like they will need to pull permits from the DEC. The DEC is not going to be happy about this um, in that all of the this is a well-known archaeology site. It's, it's been really interesting to learn about it. Um, when I first the, the way I learned about all of this was it was a month after I moved in. I, I bought the property next door and there were men in the yard. And so, like, I kind of put on a big jacket and did, like, an angry walkout. Uh, What are you doing on my lawn? And they were archaeologists, and they spent an hour with me telling me the history of the land. They straight up were were like, this is historic register eligible. This is a big deal piece of land. This is what, what makes it also really unique is not just that tools were quarried there, is that its proximity to the river made it a summer encampment. So you cannot just study how the, the artifacts and tools were kind of quarried and rough hewn, but where they were finished and also used as part of daily life, wow. which never happens. Um, they were very excited about it, even though they were being paid by um, the developer or Price Chopper. It's, it's hard to tell because of the shell companies on the archaeology report um, who was paying them. But um, would you say that's sort of your origin story of tying into this, you know, greater effort to try and save this piece of property? I bought a house and a month later I found out they wanted to clear cut a forest and put 240 apartments next to it. Wow. Yes. So this is my COVID project. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Jeez. And um, yeah, um, thank you for, co-founding this organization who's who else was uh involved in that so so um in april or may of 2020 there was the we're gonna hear what the developer take the temperature of the water by the developer and i i threw a, a post out on facebook and i'm really not like a social i'm so like introverted like that and i couldn't even look like i didn't want to see if anybody responded it just made a pit in my stomach and when um, I signed on to the meeting, there were like 30 people that had signed on and they were just putting the screws to the developer and including um, uh, Sachem Hawkstorm, who is the hereditary chief of the Scattacoke First Nations, um, as uh, Alana Sparrow Mart. Who I, I don't know exactly how to say her last name from the foundry in Cohoes. Um, so many people. And uh, the, the developers said things like, You want the artifacts? I'll give you the bones. Fine, you can have them. Like it was, it was like a TV show. Um, and so people who kind of wanted to follow up uh, got together on his. Yeah, I know. Got together. <laughs> they, I mean, it's worth re watching. Thank you, thank right. you, City, for archiving it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Leo uh, Bockinger and Sarah Pesdek Smith, now Bockinger, because they got married, um, and I are kind of like the main um, 
organizers, but we're really, we're a coalition of, of people. There's no like membership. And we are so fortunate to be working under the guidance of um, a number of indigenous people. Um, Satchin Hawkstorm has, has uh, spoken, uh, uh, Roberto Macero Barrero, who is a Taino indigenous leader um, and also has a position with the UN on indigenous affairs has uh, shown up uh, for us and, and, co-written letters and and spoken at these very preliminary city council meetings like they really should have seen what was coming um and there are just more and more people that are signing up we are we are a partner of riverkeeper where we kind of got vetted and so now we're one of their causes so anytime we have any question or any um you know a kind of letter we're putting out it gets vetted by their legal counsel um scenic hudson has also been just so invaluable um but uh, for instance, at last month's um, city council meeting, uh, Sierra Club Hudson Valley, the, the, he was the last speaker and this gentleman walked in. He's like, I'm so-and-so. I don't remember his name. I'm from Sierra Club Hudson Valley. Uh, we have a 45,000 member uh, chapter and we expect a positive declaration and we're watching this. And then he walked out. It yeah, was, that was, that was it a was, cool moment. It was yeah. a mic tra- It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, for this, this meeting, we saw, we co-wrote with Riverkeeper a coalition letter and for a positive declaration, you only need to have one potential environmental impact. And we pretty much shredded their, the seeker application with, uh, and we gave at least five very extensional potential impacts. And then we sent it around and um, because kind of we've got, we leveled up with Riverkeeper and Scenic Hudson, it went to all of these people. So the Anthropocene Alliance, the League of Conservation Voters, they're now on board. Um, Portugal, the Man Foundation. So we're kind of moving into the arts as well. Um, the Waterfall like Union. Like the band? Yeah. They, they are they have very, a foundation? They do. They're really involved in indigenous um, affairs at every single concert. They have local representatives from different causes come and speak and, and amplify indigenous voices. They're super down with the cause. Um, they're, yeah, they, they I, I guess I feel it still. Yeah. yeah, I, I too feel it still. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, not to be kind of tooting my, our horn here, but um, Julian Lennon. Signed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Uh, like we're Beatles adjacent, for God's sakes! It's wow. amazing. You, so, you would think that would push like all the the boomers that like, yeah, like, vote I, for Jim Gully every you, year. Yeah, He's like, or Come even on, man. Jim Gully himself. He's yeah. like, well, you know, well, those burgers were delicious, but. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can get him to sign my guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I was like Car- Carmela when we were um, doing all Zoom from home. She was, I don't know where she was in her house, but there was a framed picture of the Beatles, like where her family would go. I'm, I'm sure she has pictures of them yeah. too, but that was what you saw. And I was like, awesome. Um, she did vote for us in the last uh, or vote against, you know, moving this, this forward at the last meeting. But mm-hmm. um, hopefully we can count on her in the future since she is the only person. In, you know, on the city council, even though she's the president, who's not up for re-election. So hopefully, we can count on her vote moving forward. So I think you know now is as good a time as any for you know sort of the ask part of the listener uh, on this. Like, what could somebody who you know, having heard all of this, all the extremely captivating and convincing reasons why this piece of land shouldn't be developed into a bunch of unwanted apartments, um, what? could they do to try and influence positive declaration or otherwise uh, try to forestall this uh, disaster? Solid question. 
Um, so if you're a resident of Troy, the most important thing you can do is get out and vote. These city council members who are part, who are the lead agency right now are all up for re-election in four months. And we have some amazing candidates, which you guys have talked about at length um, on the podcast. And um, you can just go by the voting record of the people who are on the council now. Um, you know, so Steele has voted against, uh, Kamash McPherson has voted against, I mean, McDermott against. Um, and unfortunately, two of our, our greatest supporters uh, on the council, uh, Councilman Zaleski and Anasha Cummings, are not seeking re-election. So it's so important that we have council members who do support the preservation and conservation of this land. Um, also, if you're not from Troy, uh, write the DEC. And if I mean, if you're in New York um, and write uh, uh, our senators, you know, Kirsten Gillibrand lives in our backyard. She's she lives in Brunswick. Um, we haven't gotten any sort of response from her. Mm. Paul Tonko's office, a Congressman Tonko um, has said they're going to try and help. But this is really out of their uh, purview until there are enough people who respond. Mm. Um, and and he actually has just got legislation uh, passed in Congress that really really strengthens protections for the Hudson River, which is also like a Biden priority is um, strengthening the federal waterways. So, hmm. I, so it feels like the democratic party in Troy if, should be on notice. Your if, thing, huh? They should be. I did hear that when the candidates were kind of being vetted for potential, um, you know, to, to become the democratic candidates, they asked about us or, or the candidates were asked like, so the land in North Troy, what do you send on that? So, <laughs> Um, that felt they they know about us. Yeah, um, you it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. Should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a it's it's just amazing how many groups and how many people have come out. And in this area, there are so many professionals or just people with so much expertise that applies to this. Whether you're a geologist or you're a stormwater expert or an archaeologist, um, or even just community organizer, um, that have just come out and given their time and their expertise and just continue to show up and and sometimes it's just knocking on doors you know that's how i got to know all my neighbors is um you know just knocking on doors and if it wasn't for this huge coalition of people i think it would be me putting my post-it notes on neighbors doors like it's it's a really truly a many hey, hands make light work situation it works for martin luther <laughs> <laughs> um, things i don't like paste it on <laughs> Oh, geez. So the, in terms of elections, um, you're saying that that's probably the most important thing Troy voters can do because the uh, decision as to the declaration positive um, as it should be, but uh, potentially otherwise, is going to happen after the... Um uh, who knows? Um, we're already post, you know, our, our deadline. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, there, there are more decisions to be made going forward. The city council could shut this down at any point if, if they really wanted to. There, there are a lot of different government bodies that have teeth that can, can actually stop this. And really what they should also be re uh, doing is incentivizing the developer through tax breaks, through all of the mechanisms that they can do this, because we've seen them do this a million times for anybody they want to get into the city, to use the price chopper 
shopper's site, the closed price shopper's site. Um, it's a more appropriate spot. It's uh, a block from the Troy Boat Club. It's a much deeper water area. It already has the infrastructure to it, so sewer, electric, yada, yeah. yada. Um, and it's not the last forest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of that going for way, it. Yeah, yeah but, but at the price shopper's site, water doesn't go uphill. <laughs> yeah, that is, storm that water is pretty the miraculous. Of, yeah. uh, you got to take property. advantage of, of that thing that yeah. the gods do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also writing price chopper, honestly, like I, I've got to imagine there is a point where they will start to take notice. And yeah. my understanding with the, with the buying of tops is that they're looking to eventually get big enough to get a really good price and sell. So the more negative publicity they can get while, or that they, they have while they're trying to, you know, gussy yeah. themselves up to put themselves for sale. Yeah. Um, that's always a good thing too. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh man, you can't buy a price chopper market thirty two company because you know, like people start running in there and they slap the the hams <laughs> from the deli counter on their chest and they just start <laughs> screaming about you know economic pre- you know like environmental preservation. You just like sick the 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 uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, um, uh, 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 extinction rebellion kids on them. Just like <laughs> r- just run into every single price chopper and just like roll around in the yeah. In the produce section. Well, I, I was trying to think of something that, you know, we could do to be real sweetie pie, you know, to try to, like, heal maybe some hurt feelings between billionaire cousins. Like, and, and like, unfortunately, all of the stuff that I would do for, like, making, like, a, a pie or cheesecake or something to bring over, they already own the entire I would supermarket. To, I would be going to Price Chopper anyway. Yeah. So, th- maybe they should just bake their own cake. Yeah. I don't know. You know, just, like, let bygones be bygones. Um, you're billionaires you know just you you won you did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you they definitely won yeah. capitalism yeah. and um yeah it's a it's it's a long road which is fortunate you know because there are so many ways that this could be stopped and there are so and and this is the other thing is there are so many there are at least four or five different community regional community groups that have all said should this property become available, we will pledge the money to buy it and make a park, make a nature preserve. They can't be super public because they work with municipalities and they have to stay kind of unbiased, if you mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. But they have all said, this is such an important piece of land. It sits within the city limits. Mm-hmm. It's an environmental justice area. It, this, there's a million reasons to preserve it, and we will make that happen if we're given the opportunity. So for you know a cause that that kind of seems a little out there there's there's there are plans we could have this be a nature preserve we could have this be a park uh and there are no parks in district one there's a ball field but there are no parks uh well there's 112th uh street oh, park the 9-11 memorial park that's right and yeah. there's that one too oh, yeah yeah so oh, the 112th oh, is right, one that's right, right over here but, but you're you're right big, there's it's a big green square yeah, yeah. Like, there's no like nature parks there's yeah. nothing with like lots of growing native environmental like organisms you know is that powers park you mean no no 112 oh, right here okay yeah with the the tennis courts oh right yeah right. And the okay. playground so it's we got would this, have two parks though. yeah it's got this <laughs> yeah. nine thousand people two parks yeah but i would uh you know uh love for there to be you know something classy you know just like clear a couple trees you know let people stand in the shale you know t- a couple photo ops w- what was the um the the name of it back in the day in the olden times lansing's grove lansing's Gro- that's, that's got adorable. a good that's, that's got great. a great ring to it yeah you know um 
We can call it the Kevin Vandenberg part for all I care. <laughs> he can walk oh, away from man. this a hero yeah. if he wants to put his name on it. it yeah. I, I don't care at all what yeah. we call it. If you're, if you're listening, Kevin, you know, you, you're, you're Lansingberg, uh, you know. Um, Born and raised. Yeah. You, yeah. You're, you're, t- you're top crop. You know, this is, this is your opportunity to do right by your, you got to be thinking about your legacy. Yeah. It's yeah. really about the time to start thinking of your legacy. Sure. Just like. You know, years, decades from now. You well, know? Put your name yeah. on a bench. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be the best bench. I'll sit. I'll sit my butt on that bench. There you go. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> all right, wild wildflower time. It's time for yeah. a wildflower. Wee wee. Um. Yeah. Is a uh, um. Uh, just gonna stick around. Uh, talk about happy things yeah so we we do this thing at the end um you know i know you're familiar with the podcast but to any new listeners that maybe got the link because of this important um content um we like to close every episode with something that's uplifting yeah and so we're uh it's kind of related to what we've been talking about today and it's that the um the three uh mayors of the big cities in the capital region schenectady albany and troy uh the three uh, boroughs the three (laughs) boroughs I was going to say, uh, li- listed in order of, of, of uh, me liking them. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, no, so actually, I haven't given Schenectady enough time. You really... I, I think there's some cool stuff in Schenectady. Yeah, Troy's at the top of my list, but, but go yeah, on. Yeah, no, Troy is at the top. Troy is at the top. Uh, so the, the, these three um, uh, mayors are uh, all coming together to sue a financial corporation. Uh, it's just like a nice, nice thing to hear. <laughs> people and people come together and sue a financial corporation. <laughs> uh, corporation question is uh, the Aquin Financial Group. Uh, the what? Aquin. O C W E N. It's actually quite. I, I. It's been around since at least the eighties. It's. It's. It sounds familiar. I. I it was. It's just one of these financial corporations that are just like. Uh, they they, they uh, bundle together lots of different debts and and financial stocks instruments. And, yeah, and financial instruments. The virtuosos and, and, yeah, of the, the and, financial and, instrument. And they'll be behind like your four hundred one k or something. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, so, um, but increasingly, inc- increasingly, and uh, and I have an essay out this week in real life about this, is that all these uh, financial companies have started to get into real estate like a lot, and uh, and into uh, mortgage. Um, financing because you know like when we centralized a bunch of mortgage processing and and you know expanded who can get a mortgage without any interest in like you know how much money they make or anything like that you know everything went really well so we're gonna do that again uh and so um uh uh phh mortgage a subsidiary of aquin um owns several kind of owns right like several properties in these three cities uh that together combined uh um oh about 15 million dollars in uh uh code violations and fines and they don't pay them right because uh they are they own what's called zombie properties which we were talking about a little off mic but yeah jess you brought this story to us yeah yeah but essentially the idea is that like a a bank kind of still owns part of a property and then like you've paid like or like Probably what's more likely is like your uh, deceased uncle paid for like another half of the <laughs> of the property, yeah. And then like it just sits in limbo because like the 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 bank hasn't gotten to your uncle's will to find out who it 
who actually owns yeah, the it now. Yeah, the executor has picked up the, the slack. Yeah, and, 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 like, and now there's a bunch of liens on the property, the city's being uh, chief among them, because, like, they find all these, you know, so when a city finds a, a piece of property over and over again, it doesn't get paid, they'll put a lien on the property, mm-hmm. which ba- basically means, like, you know, if the bank, this PHH mortgage, like, defaults, or, you know, says that, you know, you've, you, loan holder, have defaulted, Right. Um. They. Uh. The. The money that's left can be distributed back to people who hold a lien, and so. Uh. This is quite often why a lot of these companies don't do anything because it's cheaper to just like kind of let hold, it roll. Yeah. Hold on to that uh, down payment that they would otherwise have to give back. And, and well, it, not even just like hold on to actual money, but just like don't basically don't acknowledge that the the problem exists like so many yeah. other things in our society you know like it gets better when you just don't acknowledge the problem right because if they do uh say like okay we owe this much and we're going to default and we're going to you know like go through the process mm-hmm. of like getting this piece of property back on the books so someone can buy it do something with it uh, they have to write down their loss and so, if they did that to all the properties that were in this sort of situation, quite often uh, it can look really bad on their balance sheets. So they don't do anything. And so the city's mayors in yeah. this trifecta are like, um, "Yeah, no, we're about that bag." And by that, we mean we're about tax rolls. Yeah. And so, yeah. if we're not getting tax on a property, and you guys are ostensibly still claiming you owe at least you know the property plus the property value plus the debt on top of it, um, yeah, we're gonna have a problem with you. Yeah, they're basically forcing PHH mortgage to foreclose on these properties or do something to get the process going again. So that the city could, you know, repossess a piece of property and put it on the, the, the Troy Land Bank list or something like that. Yeah, and um, I, I know there are some really hardworking people in each city. Like, this is kind of a, a new avenue um, that was started with uh, legislation that Cuomo passed uh, only a few years ago that really gave um, code or whatever whatever office the city is using to, to go after these some real teeth. Um, and we have some some really great people here in Troy that I know are working on it. But it's it's just another heartbreaking situation where um, you know the property holding company is like, oh, we we don't that's not ours. And then the bank's like, nope, that's not ours. And and the city's going, but here's another fifty dollar a day of violation, and this is the most we can do. So finally, we can go after them. And I know it's brought a lot of money into the city. And um, that that grant period, that trial period is is ending soon, in a couple of months. And my hope is that these cities, you know, especially with this kind of coming together, is that they're going to say this is bringing money in. It's putting properties back on the tax rolls. It's it's it's, you know, getting some movement in these houses that are just it's taking neighborhoods down with them. Like how many abandoned properties do we need on one block here in Troy? Yeah. And, you know, nobody can do anything about it. So now coming together it seems like they're really able to go after them. And and, um, and hopefully the cities will create um, uh, offices or, or positions that will keep this going after this grant period's yeah. over. Because that was really some forethought that, that we, we need to, this is working. Let's yeah. keep it going. Yeah. And as yeah. we had pointed out earlier in the episode, like we're in an actual housing glut. 
wherein there's all of this abandoned property for, you know, whatever reason, somebody passes away before, you know, um, uh, giving it away, et cetera. Um, and like that can in, and one of the coolest things that Troy has that a lot of other small cities don't have is this auction list where you can basically get a property for like five grand or less. And then you, often there are these zombie properties or recently, um, <laughs> recently killed uh, zombies <laughs> um, in which, Headshot. The, yeah, there's yeah. like, uh, you know, just a lot of repair work you got to do, obviously, uh, because it, it, some of these have been sitting for decades. Um but yeah, hopefully um, they get the goods, put the screws to the um, the the bank financial instrument that is uh, holding them and keeping them from being foreclosed on. Um, but a, a little dystopian thing, which is often you know the way I read a lot of these wildflowers, uh, it popped into my head, which is like, how fucked up would it, would it be if like Bank of America got into flipping houses? Oh, they like, are. They yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Like they're like you know starting to so the 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 uh, um so real life dot com <laughs> uh, there's an article up there right now called uh, um castle in the clouds yeah and uh, increasingly these financial private financial services come even at Bank of America although mm-hmm. Bank of America um. I mean, they have a mortgage wing and stuff like that, yeah, but yeah. but just some big bank, yeah. But a lot of the banks that like the largest like by like bank sheet like like companies uh blackrock cerberus um state street like companies that like they they name themselves to sound scary <laughs> like vanguard <laughs> right you know, they um yeah they they are uh buying up uh distressed properties they've been doing it since the financial collapse and they put them together into um like these massive uh landlord companies uh that uh uh, invitation homes is was spun off oh, from blackrock shit. as a um and it is still like the largest uh um uh, uh landlord company in the world it, it, not at least in the country uh and uh and blackrock uh spun it out but they like it so much that they then went back and like bought another company to do that <laughs> so they're gonna get back into that All right, um well. yeah and it's i mean it, it Right now, it's a it's a, a very very small percentage of homes that are being bought up by these companies, mm-hmm. but it, but that that still means that small percentage translates to hundreds of thousands of homes. Yeah, and there and it doesn't need to be like like raw percentage of like all homes that you could occupy that they need to be mm-hmm. able to rent. It's like you know specific uh, rental markets, right? Mm-hmm. So like in Atlanta, for example, you know huge very popular housing market for single family homes in, in particular, which mm-hmm. is what uh, invitation homes is. It's, it's all single family homes. So in, in, in Atlanta, one in five wow. single family homes uh, that are for rent are rented by these ultra these, these billionaire, all, yeah. you know, yeah. landlords. And, and what's really disturbing. So, you know, it gets even worse, right? And this is such an uplifting wildflower, right? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that these companies that are starting to make more and more uh, inroads into renting houses also own stuff like Safeway grocery stores and Albertsons grocery stores and like Bill Gates owns the most farmland. And, you know, like, you just like start to see like all of the, they're buying other things, too. So they're buying on both sides of the equation, like labor and capital. So you could imagine like situations where they raise and lower rents based on like where they want people to go and like how much 
work there is for them to do and like the, this work you know becomes very temporary and you know you want to keep people moving so that they you know they don't create like bonds with each other so that they could you know, like you know perhaps like go you know eventually you know you know guillotine you you know or something you know like um so it's like yeah that yeah they are they're fucking well, fuck. Again, I'm sorry like, I didn't know that, and I'm sorry that that's happening. Uh, well, I feel uplifted. Um, I especially feel uplifted in a very sincere way um, by all of the activism and, you know, like, unpaid labor that is just poured forth from the both local communities, you know, community activists such as uh, Jess, um, uh, and also just, you know, like, on a national level. And it's like, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully this thing can be avoided, and um, yeah. everyone's doing their best. Uh, yeah. Jess, who who else has been helping you, and like, how can people get involved? Further? Um, so, I mean, first off, check out our website. It's save ten eleven dot org. Um, we've we've kind of always got one or two petitions going, but uh, I mean, our initial petition um, has over five thousand signatures on it. Um, you know, right now we've got one for the pause deck, but that's really ideally that's just for Troy residents because mm-hmm. that kind of carries the most punch when we deliver yep. it. Um, but check out our website. We've got a mailing list and we try to keep you uh, up to date of what's going on, but not send too much mail. And um, there, you know, there are so, so, so many people that are just giving so much of their free time um, that we're all just amazed. I mean, there's a, there's a, a, wildlife biologist named dr um uh, david hunt and he he used to work for i think uh, nature conservancy and he really just kind of pulled back to just study um the biology and the flora and fauna of just rensselaer county and he comes and he surveys the land and um he's just such a resource and and all of this is being done on a shoestring and these people are giving their time you know we we have a storm waters um expert phd you know uh, who just shows up to every meeting we have state archaeologists who can't speak officially um as a state employee but they're saying no this is my area of expertise this is this is really important and it just goes on and on down the list, you know, and sometimes it's it's community uh, activists and organizers and and, um, you know, retired history teachers. And and this is just so amazing, the amount of people who have come out and um, are supporting this. And, it you know, the, if if there's a victory and I, I'm hopeful that we can do this, it's going to be because of because of so many people like this is not you know one person pulling the train this is oh yeah this is truly like a a community effort indigenous nations you know just like this is huge 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 outpouring of effort by all these people you know are have no skin in the game other than just wanting this to not happen because you know fucking climate change is happening like we're living on stolen land we're destroying fucking everything and like i i think about this often in the context of just like when is it the appropriate time to be talking about these big issue things. I remember we, we bring this up during the McDonald's thing, like with the city and we're like, but what about fucking climate change? Like this is actually happening. And they're like, uh, what does that have to do with McDonald's? And it's like, <laughs> well, when is it the appropriate time for people to like actually fucking put their fucking foot down? Like where, where does the buck stop? And I think it, it's, it's always in this sort of myopic, like atomized world. It's like everywhere all at once, but especially in like these, you know, um, uh, preservation of, of important natural ecological systems that like, you know, break water and like, <laughs> 
Anyway, just <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's a great point. Is when do you when do you make a stand, and when do you what when does the like your face start to like tick, and you go, oh fuck no, oh hell no, um, and and I've I've gone door to door in this neighborhood, and there's I don't know maybe thirty thirty five houses that are you know within a quarter of a mile, uh, even less of this land, and it is a a, a big uh, there it is a, a quite the variety of of people all working class. I mean, mm-hmm. no, nobody's a rich person there. Some people have lived there for years. Some people live downtown, and they came up here to be quiet or raise kids or or retire. But just a, a wide sp- uh, variety spectrum of people and. Every single person is in opposition to it, but it's for lots of different reasons. And some of them are not great reasons. I mean, environmental issues make strange bedfellows, you know, like sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want them here. I don't want people, low income people. Well, okay, yes, we all don't want the forest bulldozed, but for very different reasons here. Um, But I've seen that light go on, that that facial tick where people are like, they're going to do what, where? Like where my son, one, one kid... Um, he was maybe 10 and he was riding his bike along as I was going door to door. And I kept saying like the forest at the end of, at the end of the, I'm pointing to it. And I saw the light bulb gone. He's like, you mean the dirt bike track? Oh. And I was like, yeah. And he sped away and he was like, come to my house. My mom's going to sign like that. This is, that's the real community engagement. It's some kid on a bike, like going, oh, not in my neighborhood. Um, But you know, you, and you see that everybody has their reason. Maybe it's some, cute animal from childhood and they're like oh that that's extinct now you know everybody has their line but uh i think for this issue there's an intersection of a lot of people's like thresholds and because this is a local level you can actually make a difference you can actually get you can actually go harangue your city council member you will get one response and it is i think it's a good idea <laughs> but you, you still can do that <laughs> you know i have one neighbor she's an older lady and um, she sits right on the site, actually, her her backyard. And I know that she calls uh, Council President uh, Mantello at least once a week. She's oh one of those God. constituents. Mm-hmm. And she's also calls Jim Gully. And she says, she's like, I am praying for you. I am praying for God's grace to fill you because you are on the wrong track. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You keep calling them and telling telling yeah, them that. Yeah. You know, tell them where God's grace is flowing. <laughs> whatever, whatever you got. You, many roads lead to Rome. You know, yeah, um, whatever. But it takes. people are people are being affected, and and so it is climate. It, it for so many people, it's like they're what? This is an asinine idea. Yeah, and um, you know, we're all being pushed to our limit in one way or another right yeah. now. Yeah. And, um, well, thank you so much for, you know, making the time to spend with us and, you know, chat for an hour plus and, you know, like, thank you for doing the organization that you do. And, uh, please, you know, reach out in the future. If there's anything that we can do to elevate this issue, um, in forthcoming episodes, et cetera. Let us know. Um, and yeah, thanks again yeah. so much for, for having it. Any, any last things you want to plug or, um, collar city massage. Oh yes. My, my day job or pasta too. Um, no, I mean, thank you guys for, uh, you wear a lot of hats. I yeah. wear, I have many hats in my closet. Um, yeah, just thank you guys for uh, having me on. And and I learned so much from every single Iron Weeds episode. <laughs> I am still reeling oh. from the Zionist one. Like yeah. I think about that on a daily basis. That's um, something but else. It, yeah. It, ooh, one, but, one, one day the red cow, the red heifer will show up. 
bathe in its ashes. <sighs> yeah. Well, this, you know. This will all be done. There you go. But yeah, thank you guys Inshallah. for the work you do and um, bringing the awareness of the red heifer to the masses. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. So Br- Brittany's usually the one that kicks off the end thing. I feel I'm scared to to do it, but I don't know. I'm sitting in her chair right now, so yeah. I feel like I should. Yeah, you got a, right. b- a big seat to fill. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm not hyperventilating. You are. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, uh, in the show notes will be everything about Save, Save the Mohegan Tuck, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then you can also follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, and then I'll say it myself, Ironweeds Pod. <laughs> On Instagram <laughs> at Ironweed Spot, <laughs> and you can email us at je- uh, just this is when we um, uh, sing gmail dot com. Okay, yeah, yeah. So right. Right. yeah, okay, right. So Ironweed Spot at, at g- gmail dot com. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well done. Well Thanks done. Thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> bye, everyone. Peace.